best frequencies forever. Bringing the underground to the foreground. advice on bff.fm coming off the back of boy with girls name morning mixtape such a delightful listening experience as usual thank you sasha Uh, i'm lily sloan and i'm a therapist in san francisco and i'm here to help discuss your life questions and talk about the intersection of psychotherapy personal growth and activism So sometimes I have a guest, today it's just me, which means some combination of scripted, thoughtful content and awkward rambling into the void. We shall see. Stay tuned. A little later, I'm going to call a childhood friend because today is about childhood and because it gets lonely in the studio just talking to myself. Speaking of that, if you would like to join in the conversation, tweet at me during the show at, at radical underscore advice. If you have life questions you want addressed at a future date, you could submit anonymously at radicaladviceshow.com. I would love, 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 love to hear from you. And despite there being no lack of problems, I'm running a little low on questions. So please don't be shy. Be sure to get yours in. I also want to make sure that it's clear that the show doesn't replace mental health treatment. By discussing listener questions, I'm not diagnosing or treating any specific mental health concerns. And I encourage you to seek help from a trained professional who can cater to your specific needs. Hopefully what I can provide is a little bit of direction of where to start and some solace knowing that you're not alone. Since it's just me for most of the show, I'm going to mix up the format and get right into a song for you. But please do not fret because, well, your Tuesday morning or whenever you listen to this meditation is definitely coming up. Um, Yeah, so thanks for tuning in. This is Radical Advice. I'm Lily Sloan and you are listening to BFF.com. FM coming right out of the secret alley in San Francisco.
You are listening to Radical Advice on BFF.FM. I am your host, Lily Sloan. That was Any Human Friend from Marika Hackman's latest album of the same name. There's some really great stuff on there, so I definitely recommend checking it out. And now you're hearing Immunity by John Hopkins, which is going to seg- uh, soundtrack the next segment. So let's do what I normally do at the top of the show and dive into a moment of reflection. Checking in with your body, your mind, your breath. This is an opportunity to notice where you are right now. This one's going to be just a little bit longer, a little bit more in depth. But don't worry, I won't take you away from all that important work you have to do for too long. So you can start by focusing your attention on your breath. You don't have to be in any particular position. You don't have to have your eyes closed, but you can if you want. You can be sitting, standing, walking. I'm pretty low key about this. You're just putting your attention to your breath, noticing each inhalation and exhalation. The sensation of air moving through your nostrils or your mouth down your throat, filling your lungs, your chest rising and falling, maybe your belly rising and falling. You could even put your hand on your belly if you want to have something to sort of push into as you breathe. Imagine your breath is like the ebb and flow of ocean waves and tides. Your body is a planet teeming with complex ecosystems. Connected to the rise and fall in and out of your breath are multitudes of subtle sensations happening almost constantly through your body. As you pay attention to these sensations, see if you can use descriptive words that don't necessarily categorize or judge the feelings as good or bad, but instead just name what's happening. Tingling heaviness, pulsing, swirling. Those are just some ideas, but I'll let you name it.
it's hard and not even the point to disconnect our physical sensations from our emotions. Emotions are physical sensations. We feel tightness with anxiety, rising up in the chest with excitement or joy, involuntary laughter, tight throat as unwanted tears are welling up in the eyes, hot red face with anger, that furrowing in the brow. So notice what emotions are there swirling inside of you. How are you experiencing them in your body right now? are always churning even when we're sleeping some days are moments maybe more quickly than others but it's possible to slow down the chatter and sometimes it just does that on its own but right now let's just see where it's at our thoughts are deeply connected to our feelings too I can conjure almost any emotion with my thoughts it's not a superpower. It's just something that we can do for better or worse. And so where are your thoughts right now? See if you can pay attention to what your mind is doing without getting sucked in. And if you do, no problem. As soon as you catch it, refocus on your breath. thoughts are so often about the past or the future maybe always so in this moment we're bringing our attention to right now and right now is constantly changing in a way it can feel more comfortable to settle into remembering or planning for another place in time the present is a constantly moving target and to be present with yourself is to allow your attention to follow the changes, to follow the breath, the feeling, the thought, treating thought more as a sensation rather than digging into the content. So right here, we're breathing, feeling, being, doing nothing, and changing.
All right. So remember that you can do this or some version of this at different points in your day. You can try for a dedicated practice of, of longer periods of time or you can grab a quick two minutes while you brush your teeth. Um, and, you know, it could be good to have something that's a little less guided than what I do. Um, I might talk too much. But I talk this much mostly because I imagine I'm introducing these ideas to people who haven't really been familiar with them. So, yeah, I don't believe in a right way. And I'm not a daily meditator, but I'm glad I've done enough of it that it's a place I can get to fairly easily now. It's not foreign to me. And I have a sense of, you know, the ups and downs of that experience. So, yeah, it's, it's also not about fixing anything, but the very act of slowing down and getting present with yourself can help you regroup and dive back into the madness of life from a more aware place. It might, for instance, help you catch if you're hungry or thirsty, but we're maybe too stressed and busy to realize it. So great, eat some food, drink some water. I think it'll help. But we can't be present all the time, man. So stick around because I'm actually going to talk more about the past, the good, the bad, and the ugly of it. And since I'm thinking about the past, and just for the sake of jarring you out of your meditative state, here is an older song uh, from the Yeah, Yeah, Yeahs, because I got to play drums on stage the other night, and I really got into it. And all I wanted when it was over was to keep rocking out. So... Fever to Kill was the album I listened to on my BART ride home. So this is Radical Advice on BFF.FM. BFF.FM. Best Frequencies Forever.
are listening to Radical Advice on BFF.fm. I'm Lily Sloan. Uh, now need to stop headbanging so I can talk and be a radio host. Uh, yeah, that was Rich by the Yeah, Yeah, Yeahs. And today's show is about the past, but it's in the present. Unless you're listening in the archives and you're listening to this from the future in the past. Oh, God. Okay. I probably should have scripted this part. Shit. Anyway, moving on. In the guided meditation, uh, I talked about being present. But presence isn't necessarily some superior, holier-than-thou, enlightened thing, despite what plenty of people in the Bay Area would want to tell you. But we have to remember the past to learn from mistakes and make future choices. We have to think about the future because some things require planning. Huh. Maybe. Maybe. Just maybe. I suck at grocery shopping because I'm just so present. That's the problem. I'm too present. But uh, yeah, besides the benefits of remembering the past and thinking about the future, it's also not totally a choice. Like our pasts are deep wired into us. Even if the thoughts aren't conscious, experiences we've had can have a profound effect on how we navigate life. Ideas about safety and danger, how to love and be loved, what it means to fail. All these experiences are stored up and accessed for future situations that ring a bell, that kind of trigger those, those, oh, I remember something like this before. I have an idea of how to respond to it kind of things our brain does. So not all of those experiences are necessarily traumatizing or maybe, you know, there's a very wide spectrum of what trauma is. Um, so it could land somewhere on that spectrum. But um, yeah, and you may or may not have specific memories to pin your patterns to. But it doesn't matter. It's still there. And, and knowing when and where and why isn't necessarily uh, always helpful. Um and it's also not always necessary, and we can tell ourselves all kinds of stories. But sometimes I think it is helpful. Like, as an example, the other day, I was feeling left out and uh, of a social thing. And the feelings were really deep and painful. <laughs> and it, you know, this, this adult part of me was just like, oh. God, this is so ridiculous, like grow up. Um, it wasn't being particularly nice about it. But I do know that these feelings were from an old unhealed wound and that a very young part of me comes out in these situations. So I remembered entering the fifth grade, um, going to a new school, so needing to make new friends, but pretty quickly, pretty quickly being a popular kid, um, even uh, went out with the popular boy for two weeks because that's how long you, quote, date when you're 10. Um, but yeah, I was playful and gregarious and great at connecting with new people, both kids and adults. Um, yeah, 
it, it seemed all good. But halfway into the year, everything changed. I saw an old friend recently and she said, I can't tell you why we turned against you. It makes no sense. Which was really interesting to hear because to this day, I still thought there must be some reason. So there I was, my very outgoing self, getting along with everyone, and then it all crashes and burns around me. I was bullied, teased, shunned. I even did homeschool for sixth grade because being at school was so miserable. And while I may have had milder experiences of social isolation or discord before that one, this was what really cemented the life lesson for me, that at any moment, I could lose all my friends because of something about me that I'll never know or be able to control. Yeah, that's a good one to be walking around with. (laughs) So my logical adult self knows a lot more now. I know it's not very likely that I'll be arbitrarily shunned and abandoned by my adult friends. I know even if I do lose people, I can make more friends. There's more than 60 people for me to choose from. And that the pain of losing is survivable. I have lost friends. I've, you know, lost relationships, all kinds of things over the years. And I've survived it. So I also know that not everything is about me. But yeah, that beaten down child is really loud. And she's still hurting. And adult logic can only take it so far. So it helps to know where these fears are coming from. And to know that I have to take care of myself in those moments as if I'm that 10-year-old girl. I have to figure out how to give myself now what I needed then. So... On that note, I have a really great listener question to share with you, and it relates to this theme perfectly. But before that, I am going to play a song dedicated to you from my 10-year-old self. Yes, I'm 
As we dive back into this topic of the past, I played Come As You Are from Nirvana's Nevermind, and that album originally released in the past quite a bit in 1991. And I was first listening to it, I think, in 1994, which was around the time of the story I just told you. Um, yeah, it was in fact my first CD and I thought the little naked baby in the swimming pool on the cover was hilarious because you could see his penis. Anyway, he's now 28 and, um, I don't know how he feels about that, but yeah, a lot of time has passed. So, uh, as I said before, I got a listener question that was, um, just such a delight to receive. It intersects perfectly with today's topic, how childhood experiences impact us as adults, and it also relates to this general topic uh, that we cover on the show, which is, what's the deal with therapy? So, this person writes, love the show and everything. Why, thank you. Um, Can you please explain reparenting? My shrink just said she's reparenting me. And I have no idea what that means. Yeah, 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 yeah. Okay. So this is such a great question because I think it's one of those ideas us therapists find more obvious than it really is. It Studying therapy stuff in psychology is interesting because you, you start learning these things that aren't necessarily common knowledge, but once you do learn them, it just feels like common sense in a way. And um, it's, I don't know, maybe that happens when you learn a lot of things, but I think it's definitely true with psychology stuff. Um, And so it's easy for me to downplay my own knowledge and to downplay the education that's involved, but also to just kind of forget all these things that I didn't all always know because they just kind of make sense. So anyway, reparenting, reparenting. What the hell does that mean? So first, I would say, ask your therapist what she means specifically, because that might open up an interesting and deep conversation about your relationship with her. But I'm going to talk about it more generally here. So I think it is good for you to know what this means because it's not only your therapist that's re- that the reparenting is coming from. It's something you're learning to do for yourself and it's something that can happen in moments in all kinds of relationships when we're in a vulnerable place. It kind of relates to this idea that you may have heard of like an emotionally corrective experience. So much of our psychological wounding uh we believe, many, most of us believe uh, in the world of psychology, 
um, occurred in early childhood when we were dependent on external caregivers. So this is often parents. It may be grandparents, aunts or uncles, foster parents, etc. Um, but we depended on them to meet our physical and psychological needs. And we essentially develop, oh, and also I'll say psychological needs are also physical needs. I mean, it's just like I was saying in the meditation, you can't really separate them. So we essentially develop defense mechanisms or emotional scar tissue around these areas where our needs weren't met. And most of us have unmet needs. No parent is perfect, nor should they be. But the amount of stuff that got missed ranges from mild to severe. And so do our defense mechanisms. So many of us believe that part of what's healing about therapy is that the intimacy and safety in the relationship can create a space for our vulnerable child selves to come out and be tended to. Our therapist may be able to stand in as a loving parent to those very young parts of ourselves and meet some of our previously unmet needs. They probably aren't going to play baseball with you, but they can be present with you and see and hear you in a way that our caregivers might not have been able to. So this might sound really absurd, like child parts. I know you're a fucking adult, but we don't actually fully shed our younger selves. Ideally, we develop a compassionate inner parent who can meet our child's needs. But we model that parent off of the only ones we know, and they had our, their limitations. So even, even if you didn't suffer abuse, there's still, you know, subtle ways that we can be kind of missed or not, or develop, you know, little complexes around certain things. So as adults, we're navigating a whole family, maybe even a village of parts inside of us. Some are much louder than others. And therapists are there to help us expand our ability to tease out and listen to those parts. So to understand them and decide how we want to respond. Part of how therapists help us do this is by modeling it by comforting us when we can't comfort ourselves, challenging us when we can't challenge ourselves, loving us when we can't love ourselves, and helping us learn how to take in that love and care so when they're not right there with you in a difficult moment, you can find parts of what they gave you inside still. You absor you're absorbing stuff along the way, like nutrients. So I, I don't believe in the idea that you have to love yourself before someone can love you. Maybe this is a chicken and egg sort of issue, but from the moment you pop out of the womb, you're relying on others to show you love, to teach you how to love and be loved, and to see yourself as worthy of love. The people who love you have to know how to love you and because of their own wounds and unmet needs, and also because they just might not fully understand you. There, there can actually be a, a, like a temperamental mismatch between parent and child. So when that happens, um, 
it doesn't go perfectly. And most of us are going to spend our lives hoping to repair the things that didn't go right, big and small. So that's job security for me, I guess. But kind of a bummer, I guess. Also, it makes life rich. So I don't know. I don't know what life would be like without it. I, I hope that this clarified um, this idea of reparenting a bit more. I kind of veered off there, but I think it all connects in terms of the fact that we need each other <laughs> and we never stop being a child on some level. So whether or not you're in therapy, this is why studies have shown that the biggest indication that therapy will be helpful is not the techniques of the therapist, but the relationship between you and the therapist. So it really does matter that you like and trust your therapist. We don't get to choose our parents or the circumstances that we're born into, but most of the time we do get to choose our therapist. Well, I, mean, I don't know. I guess with insurance, it's harder. Oh, God. I guess we should just listen to some music because that's a whole other rant. So you're listening to Radical Advice on BFF.fm. Keep listening because I am very happy with this set of music that I've put together for you here. Uh, starting out with Iggy Pop. Uh, and the new song from his new album, the song is Love's Missing.
Listening to Radical Advice on BFF.FM, Best Frequencies Forever. Uh, I'm Lily Sloan. That was Trevor Power with Ache. Uh, before that was Lip Talks, All This Light, and the set opened with Iggy Pop's Love's Missing. All fairly new music that I am loving so, so much. Um, today, so far, I'm here in the studio solo with you, dear listener, keeping me company. Don't forget you can tweet at me at radical advice, underscore advice, radical underscore advice. I would love to hear from you. And you can also email through the website, radicaladviceshow.com, or send a message on the show's Facebook page. I am keeping my eye out on those things. And uh, before we move on, here's a quick uh, public service announcement for you. BFF.FM is an award-winning community radio station coming to you 24-7 from the heart of San Francisco. I love BFF.FM because of what it represents, you know, a uniting of the local music community. The diversity of shows is way more fun than any kind of commercial radio you might find. Become a monthly donor and you'll be connected to a cool community of music lovers helping us build strong community radio for San Francisco our besties. I get to go to these cool bestie bashes and I get to have a sweet members only pin and I get to feel like I'm contributing to the community. Join us at bff.fm slash donate. bff.fm. Streaming with my besties. Well, that's weird because that was me. Um, (laughs) But, uh, you know, just speaking of cool benefits of becoming a bestie and making a donation of $10 a month or more, We've got one of our besties bashes coming up this Saturday, which is free entry if you are a bestie. If you're not, you can make a small donation at the door and you get to see some live local music uh, here at the Secret Alley from 4 to 7 p.m. So you can learn more about location and all of that at bff.fm 
or on our uh, Facebook page where there is a event, event listing. So yeah, if you're not a bestie, no worries, you can still come. But uh, it's definitely a good example of what we're doing that we would love to have your support for. Um, we've got some really good local music happening, including this Saturday, my friend Ainsley uh, and her band Silverware. So I hope to see you there. So I wanted to, before, uh, in a little while, um, I'm going to have a phone call with a childhood friend to dig more into this stuff about the past. She is in the state of Washington, as a matter of fact. But uh, the magic of technology will bring her here in the studio with me into your ears. But before I go into that, I got a follow-up uh, email from a listener who sent in a life question uh, uh, maybe a month or two ago. I did it. I talked about it on the show maybe a month ago. So this was a really fascinating, complex question, and I'm going to recap that before I give you the follow-up. So the person, I, I'm not going to read it all verbatim, but the person basically wrote that they were seeing a woman who was about 20 years older than them and they were having a great time but when they went into the woman's home they saw a picture on the wall of their therapist of their therapist (sighs) so wow what do you do with that and then they saw their therapist in other pictures on the walls and they were like holy shit is this a relative uh like how close of a relative what do I do about it I don't know and um the advice of myself and my colleague Lily's son who was on the show at the time was you have got to talk to both of them because they have to they have to have a say in the situation um and also that it was very unlikely they'd be able to have their therapist and be dating this person um, based on too too many overlapping, uh, I guess, being too close uh, in in relationships. So the person sent me a follow up. Thank you so much. I love it when people do that. It's so it's so helpful to hear how what we talked about on the show impacts you. And also to know if if the things we said were really unhelpful (laughs) or, you know, I I mean, people, someone has written before like, hey, I followed your advice and that was terrible. Um, (laughs) That didn't go well. And that was really, that's really helpful to hear as well. But it's also nice to just hear this is what happened because we get this little snippet into somebody's life and like usually a pretty intense situation and then just never know what happens after that and um, I'm always really curious so about this situation dating the person who clearly has a close connection to their therapist and they were like is this my therapist's mom Whew. okay so update I wrote in about my therapist knowing the woman or I wrote in about the therapist, my therapist, knowing the woman I'm dating. I spoke to the woman I was seeing first, and she told me that my therapist is her best friend's daughter. 
So no family relationship, but it was still a bit too close, I think. She and I decided to stop seeing each other. I think that relationship really put a highlight on our age difference. I also spoke to my therapist about it, which went better than I had expected. And she said, the sooner I bring things, bring these things, the faster we can come up with a path forward together. She told me she wants to protect our relationship as much as I do. And we can do that best by sharing anything that comes up where I might think boundaries are being crossed. Thanks for your help on this one. Much appreciated. Uh, I mean, I'm, I'm sorry that it didn't work out with this person you were seeing. Um, I'm glad that it felt clear for both of you and that it seemed like a good decision and that you were able to be honest with your therapist about, about it. And really, um, I think that this experience is going to really have ripple effects on the rest of your relationship with your therapist because you've now seen that you can bring something difficult to them and be responded to well. And you've struggled through something together and talked about what you both need in the future. And I think that's that's one of the big things that therapy is about and can do. And <clears throat> hopefully, and I think most of the time, therapists do respond well when awkward or difficult things are brought to us. It's, we're trained to do that. So I'm not saying 100% of the time, it you know, therapists can be defensive. Therapists can can have weird responses to things. Therapists are human beings. But I think that there's a good chance it's going to go well. And if it doesn't, if it doesn't go well, if you don't feel at the end of it, and maybe it won't take just one session, maybe it'll take two, but if you don't feel at the end of it that, you know, you got to a better place, and you, and you felt seen and heard and understood by your therapist, then sadly, they might not be the right fit for you. Um, and that's good to know too. So it's always important to, you know, as much as possible, bring things forward. And when it's really, really hard to do, you can also talk about that. Thank you so much for writing in that original question and for the follow-up that was really that was really great to hear because I, I I know myself and my colleague that was in the studio some of the listeners were just like what do you do with that that's so crazy so thank you um so it's in about 15 minutes like I said my uh friend Julene is gonna hop on the show and talk to us so until then I'm gonna play some more music I'm gonna start out with cigarettes after sex newer uh, song called apocalypse you're listening to radical advice on bff.fm keep on listening I'm Forrest Guest, station engineer, and you're listening to BFF.FM. Oh, the cable's fucked up.
a chore What you waiting for? We've been here before And I can't ignore it anymore
listening to Radical Advice on BFF.FM. I am Lily Sloan, your host, and I am very excited because I am about to call a childhood friend in a moment, but before I do that, I just want to tell you what songs you just heard in that set. Um, this last one was Break Apart by Bonobo and Rye. Before that was a new, uh, new one from Bonnevar I Me from the album I I. I guess that's how you would say it. It's a lowercase I, comma, lowercase I. Everyone's got to get artsy about it. And I opened up that set with Apocalypse by Cigarettes After Sex. Um, so really, really good stuff. Um, yeah. So we're talking about childhood and how the past influences us now. So to continue that conversation, I'm going to call my childhood friend, Ms. Julene Beeson, up in Washington and see what she has to say about it. So let's do it. Hmm. Oh, hi. Le- oh, hello. <laughs> I like how you sounded like a grandma. <laughs> oh, yeah. oh, 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 Lily. Okay, this can continue on for so long. I'm sure your listeners would love to hear me act like a deranged old lady, which I will be. Hashtag goals. Uh-huh. Yeah. Well, uh-huh. 
you will be you will be old which you know is something i'm sure you think about a lot working in the beauty industry oh my god i was just listening to an oprah podcast with a bunch of like older models and value and self-worth oh my god so yeah no you Mm. crawled in my brain well since you're on facetime i can see your incredible eyelashes oh thanks (laughs) i've been I've been working on them. Oh, yeah? Growing them out. Growing them out. I'm not going to do any trims until they're at least touching my forehead. (laughs) Wait, you you can't grow your eyelashes out. I'm kidding. (laughs) Um, See, the thing is, is that you know about this stuff and I don't. So I'm just, you could could convince me of almost anything. I know. I could be a phenomenal liar. Yeah. Yeah. But you know, speaking of speaking of which, I've known you a very long time, and I've had you in this capacity on the phone on the show before, but maybe like two years ago. So yes. it's very exciting to have you back, and um, I know that we can always jam out to old times. Oh yes, good to be back. Good to be back. <laughs> <laughs> um, though last time we spoke, you lived in Portland, and now you live in. Washington, which town do you live in again? I live in Bellingham, Washington, which is north of Seattle, about an hour and a half to two hours, depending on traffic. So you're basically Canadian. I'm basically Canadian on the border, pretty much. You're borderline Canadian. Borderline Canadian. I know. I think I should get it diagnosed. (laughs) Oh, I was going to say, like, you should get an award <laughs> but uh, a diagnosis might be better <laughs> yeah I don't know I don't know it depends on how you look at it yeah <laughs> um well uh so I have known you since the a time in my life that I talked about earlier on the show um you were not in my elementary school with me but I knew you through some of the people that I knew in elementary school you were at a different school but we lived yeah. in the same town. Everybody was like walkable to everybody. We're yeah. running around. I think when we first met, you were, I, you were on a trampoline in your backyard. Yes. In your old, yes. your your old old house. Yeah. Very very old house, and it's so funny because I remember you, not by the trampoline. I remember you skateboarding, being a total badass, <laughs> and I was so like impressed that you could ride a skateboard that I was like this is the coolest chick I've ever met and I need to befriend her now (laughs) well I want you to know I don't want to like I I mean I'm torn about sharing this because I I don't necessarily want to tear down your delusions about me (laughs) don't you dare (laughs) but I just I'm all about transparency and the fact is is that I could ride a skateboard if I was on perfectly smooth concrete <laughs> and not a single minuscule hairline crack, not a pebble in sight. Like this, in Petaluma, the land of potholes, right? And really terrible roads. Yeah, no, there would ha- the road would have to be perfectly paved, freshly paved, freshly cleaned. Yes. I mean. I probably should have gone out there with a broom beforehand. <laughs> I, so yes, I did ride a skateboard sometimes, sort so of. So cool. And I'm well, just it, amazed that 
my skateboarding is what impressed upon you. <laughs> so impressed. I wouldn't say it's something I'm known for. I, oh. I will say that I was very, very good on the rollerblades. Yes. Yes, you were. You were super good on the rollerblades. But yeah, no, I just, I met you and I thought you were dope and I recognized your inner dopeness from a young age <laughs> and it, it was like a namaste dopeness. An, a, nom, so, a namaste dopeness. Oh my God. Yeah. The dopeness in me recognizes the dopeness <laughs> in you. Well, we did have a lot of fun. You had a waterbed. <laughs> I did. Look, you had a waterbed. No, I had no business having a waterbed. No, Why who does? Who does? You had a waterbed. So any, so we've, yeah, we've known each other, ah, God, like well over 20 years um, yes. since I was 10. So 25 years. We've known mm -hmm. each other 25 years. That's amazing. And and I know we've both done a lot of growing up and experiencing and and had a lot of bad experiences since then, <laughs> good experiences, a lot of big changes in our lives. Um, mm -hmm. And so I was kind of talking earlier on the show about how there are moments in our life, they can be singular moments or sort of an ongoing pattern of event that when we're kids, um, really like, like seals in certain beliefs and ideas about the world. So then like when we're adults, things will bring that up and our like kid self inside will be like, oh shit, oh shit, this is like that thing that happened before and I need to respond in, you know, that way. Or, you know, like, or this is this bad thing's going to happen because I've, I've experienced this before. And I'm wondering for you, I, I feel like we've talked about this before, but I could be wrong. But times when you experienced, you know, being picked on or teased or, or just like certain things that have come up in childhood that like really got in there that you're kind of dealing with now. And I'm wondering if you want to talk about one or two of those things absolutely on live radio i would love to i would love nothing more than to share my personal demons on live radio great and what was the first day of your last period okay <laughs> um, oh i can see her because she's on facetime and she has a, i'm actually she's trying to actually trying like, to <laughs> that's a great question all right we'll come um, back so, to that what are your demons oh, all right let's something less again. personal Okay, here we go, everybody. So I had a lot of experiences with bullying, specifically with teachers, mm. specifically with teachers, instructors in elementary school. So uh, Lily and I went to different elementary schools, probably for the best. Um, I carried with me the belief, the false belief that I was not intelligent and I had no worth or value when it came to my mind and my intelligence. I, uh, my second grade teacher would single me out, pick on me. She would grab my wrist, squeeze really hard and tell me to my face that I was the worst student she's ever had what oh yeah she said this to an 
eight-year-old. I mean, that's that's full-on, like, abusive. Yeah. So that moment, like, stayed with me. And I'm like, well, I'm not smart. And it, it took me... I carried that belief and I didn't even try in school. I didn't even give it an effort. I didn't even study for tests because I thought I was going to fail. Mm. Yeah, so um, what's the point? Yeah, what's the point? I'm just going to fail. I'm just going to suck at this. And it wasn't – man, I had that belief for so long. I ha- It wasn't until I was in a better environment and I went to independent study uh, in high school that I could be with teachers who were really present with me and I didn't have all the distraction of, you know, being in a big school with lots of drama going on Mm -hmm, where mm -hmm. I could be like, Oh, I can actually be okay. And I can't, I'm safe here and Mm -hmm. I'm safe enough to focus and not be, not have this like huge wound, like the shame. shameful wound right Um, I mean that's so huge what you're saying safe enough to focus I'm sure there are so many children out there that get put in this category of like maybe having learning disabilities or not being very intelligent or whatever it is because they weren't mm -hmm. given the safety that they needed to focus and to absolutely and to believe that they could learn absolutely and you hit the nail on the head Lily um it I was not diagnosed with ADHD and specifically delayed cognitive tempo until I was in my 30s and I could get on medication. Wow. That and it was like the whole world opened up to me when I finally got my diagnosis and I'm like, "Oh, I can remember things, I can recall things." Yeah, because in my brain, without the medication, the information is in there, but it's like trying to find a file that it has been misplaced, but you know the file is there, and trying to search through everything. Yeah, and it's just like really a, a pile of files that fell over. Exactly, <laughs> exactly. And yeah. yeah, and yeah, not getting that, not getting my needs met in that way until I was much older, and then my dad, he he knew that I was struggling, but he, him and my mom were genuinely doing their best. And I think they held um, a lot of concern and worry for me and being an adult that my, I remember my dad saying, and I think he was just unconsciously expressing his fears. He's like, if you are just able to pay your bills with some and just survive I will be so relieved and he's Mm. saying this to me wow and so then I'm like okay that's all I have to do and not thrive and not be successful Mm -hmm. so that was the conditioning I had for so long and for so the bar the bar was like set really low really really low it's like it's like it's it's a problem if the bar's set too high but it's also a problem if it's like, we don't really expect much of you at all. We just want you to pay your bills and survive. That's all mm-hmm. we want. And so for the longest time, my entire 20s, I just survived. Yeah. And I mean, 
like scraped by. Yeah. Yeah. You know? Right. And since I finally got diagnosed and I can focus and think my, my ability to be successful and to thrive has just increased tenfold Mm -hmm. and it's just gotten so much better. It's gotten so much better. And my parents were like, Oh shit. I wish we, I wish we could have done this for you when you Mm. were a little kid. And, And I'm like, this wasn't around then you didn't know. And you guys did your best. Yeah. So, so yeah. Yeah. Well, Mm -hmm. and I wonder like, you know, that idea that you, you know, even though you've had different experiences now to kind Mm -hmm. of show you that you are capable, you're totally capable. You've gotten an education, you've done all these amazing things. Um, Like, does that fear that aren't smart enough still crop up sometimes? Yes. It crops up a lot. (laughs) (laughs) Yes. It's still there. Yeah. Like, how do you... How do you deal with it when it crops up? Like what, what, what is, what is, well, first of all, what does it, what does it feel like when it crops up? It feels familiar. Feels familiar. It feels like a familiar voice in my head. It's a familiar feeling. And I feel, it it makes me feel really small and like I'm going to be judged and, um, yeah, just a lot of fear, Yeah, you know? Um, but yeah, I still experience that in the, in the field that I'm in. Uh, Mm -hmm. what if somebody knows more than me in this area, in this, with this specific thing, or I can't talk about what I know to these people because they might know more than me Mm -hmm, and mm -hmm. then I'll be wrong and that'll be embarrassing. Mm -hmm. And so it still comes up. It still comes up. And, you know, I'm friends with a lot of really smart people and I love surrounding myself with smart people because I feel like I absorb a Mm -hmm, lot mm -hmm, by mm -hmm. being around them. And I, and I, and I love them and I know they love me, but I'm also scared that they're going to think that I'm dumb as a box of rocks. Mm. So what are your defense mechanisms around that? Like healthy and unhealthy ones. <laughs> like I want to um, want to hear it all. How have you well, coped? Well, um, I had a big old knockdown drag out argument with uh, one of my closest friends from Portland. And he he was going for my jugular. Like verbally. And he was saying some really mean, fucked up shit. Sorry if I'm saying that on the radio. I'm sorry. No, it's okay. Um, We aren't beholden to the man. Oh, yeah. I like that. Okay. Um, So he was just going after it. We're all camping with um, some friends of ours. Most everybody went to bed. And, you know... He was drinking a bit, a lot, actually, and he got on the subject of girl that things didn't work out, and he just started lashing out at me and really unleashing 
and pouring out his anger about this girl where the relationship didn't work out on me because I am a person he is safe with. Mm. I'm a person he trusts and I left Portland and now he doesn't like he's abandoned. He doesn't have anybody else he can talk to about this stuff. And so he's angry. I left and he's angry about this girl Mm -hmm. and he let me have it and brought up all my insecurities and I, I'm really proud of myself because <laughs> I held my ground. Yeah. Yeah. Wow. Lily, I held my ground and, you know, and when you would say something really mean, I said this, I'm like, why don't you have another drink and oh, then another? Oh God. And then another. And then why don't you get another? Oh my God. <laughs> 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 mhm. Mhm. Yeah. So that's a good. Okay. That's a. That's a way to cope. Yeah. Oh yeah, that's a way to give it back to him. And yeah. So finally, finally, um, I just asked him, "Why have you been so salty my whole time down here?" Because I had been in Portland for a few days, and he had just been a total fucking shit, mm. like a like an asshole, like an asshole, and he's like because you've been here and you haven't even made time to hang out with me. And so when I heard that, I understood then that he was hurt. Uh Uh-huh. Right. This is all of this is coming out of a hurt place. And even though he's like, go, he's going for my neck and he's coming at me with everything he's got. Um, I'm like, I know you're hurt right now. Hmm. And so I'm like, okay, the two people that were there by the campfire, just kind of making sure that we don't kill each other. Um, I'm like, hey, guys, can I have a minute alone with so-and-so? And they left. and like, is everything going to be okay? And I'm like, it's, it's going to be fine. And so in that moment, I can come forward in a heart space. Mm. And I, I just sat close to him and I held his hand. And I'm like, hey. I'm sorry I left. I know you're feeling lonely and I'm sorry. I want to be here for you. And like I came forward and he's and he's just like, why are you so mad at me? And he starts crying and he's like so, so hurt and he's so sad. He's like, I think I'm just taking out my angry my anger out on you and I'm like you are and it's not right and I'm not gonna take any of it good for you yeah I mean that's so that's such a good example of like compassionate boundary setting like let's get past whatever bullshit you're throwing at me and actually um basically you you got you managed to get to and I mean, he didn't necessarily even deserve it in that moment, but you did a really good job as a friend, like getting to the underlying vulnerability that was there and not folk and and bringing the focus to that instead of staying caught in the actual fight. Yeah. And I and I feel like that's it's like you spoke to his inner child and that helped and that helped him soften. And I feel like that's so true, like, w- w- with us, too, with ourselves is, 
in those moments when our inner critic is beating the shit out of us is you know just like you're not good enough you're stupid look you always do this oh you know all of that mm-hmm. it's like a, a a calm like healthy parent inside of us has to come forward and speak to the child this this uh, happened this happened for me on sunday because yeah well now it happens to me like every day but <laughs> But Sunday, I was I was here at the secret alley. I was so I'm kind of remodeling my bathroom. Well, as much as one can remodel their bathroom when they're a renter. Yes. But I I mean I, I I take it I take it to the max. I I dissembled. I like pulled an entire medicine cabinet out of the wall. So there's just a big hole there now, and mm-hmm. I'm and I'm building a new one. So I was like, how hard can it be to build a square box? You know. <laughs> Well, let me tell you, (laughs) it was hard. And part of it is, you know, like I don't use power tools on a regular basis. I was here alone and there was nobody around to like, you know, help me troubleshoot. I, you know, I I wasn't fully, you know, it, it can help to like do a lot of practice to get your cuts straight, you know. But anyway, it the first try like went really bad. It was totally like lopsided and not square and just look like shit and I was sweating and hot and like had been laboring for hours and I in my mind was the voice that was like you know if you knew what you were doing this would have taken like an hour tops and look at you you always think you can do stuff but you can't you you know like just that that voice started coming in and be in like being like here's all of your failures in your life and and I really I I finally like noticed that's what was going on and I took a I stepped away and I like you know had to have a little cry but I had to really attend to like my inner child who was like I thought I could do it and it's not going well and now I feel like an idiot and and it was just really helpful to shift the conversation in my head from you're an idiot why do you always try these things that you suck at to oh this is hard you're trying to do a thing that is hard for someone who doesn't do this all the time and you know it's okay it's okay that you're frustrated and you know a friend encouraged me to go get ice cream and not share it with my inner critic and so yes, I, that's a great suggestion. I kept it for myself. <laughs> Good. And it had strawberries on it. But uh, yeah, I think that that's, you know, anytime these vulnerabilities come up, especially think, you know, these insecurities go way, way, way back to like very young age. Whenever they come up, we do have to attend to it like we're talking to a child. Yeah. And and it seems like you know how to do that for your friend. I think you know how to do that for yourself sometimes. But yeah. it's like, of course, you're still going to sometimes feel all those things come up. Yeah. And, you, and you've done, but you've done so much work on yourself in all kinds of ways. Like, yeah, getting that diagnosis um, of ADHD was helpful mm-hmm. for you. But, it, but, it, but you did so much to even get there like you you know you've done a lot of therapy you've done a lot of like 
Yeah. yeah. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. yeah. Oh, yeah. You've done a lot to try to overcome the limitations of that internal voice that's that like the the internalization of your teacher the internalization of of your parents best but kind of flawed efforts that like turned into you are you are not smart enough to do anything but just survive yeah oh thank you Lily thank you for seeing me I mean I'm glad I can physically see you because of FaceTime I mean, now the dopeness in you is seeing the namaste dopeness in me. <laughs> it's pretty, it's it's just like, it's just like blasting out of your chest with like glitter. And your car is getting like filled with glitter right now. No. I'm, I think you should probably, I hope it's biodegradable. All Priuses need to be filled with glitter. <laughs> <laughs> but biodegradable glitter. Yes. Which apparently now I, now I know that exists which is good because yes I don't want people to not be able to like have you know glitter glitter fabulousness right but their moment but it does get everywhere and it is actually plastic it is it is so and and all the mica in all the like the glitter products that is bad news bears for the environment child labor and that's like a whole nother topic right well Um, you know about these things do you want to do you want to let people know about what you do sure and like if anyone (laughs) wants to find your youtube channel because you're a youtube star thanks for the plug you're now part of beauty tube booty tube baby i said i said i said beauty tube Booty tube. <laughs> Booty tube is a different tube. Yes. So my name is Julene Beeson. I'm a master esthetician. I'm licensed in California, Oregon, and Washington with master and advanced licenses in Oregon and Washington. Damn. I've taught. I've been doing aesthetics and since 2003. Yeah. And so she used to experiment on me. Yeah. On my face. Exactly. <laughs> Lily was my wonderful guinea pig. Um, mm-hmm. And my YouTube channel, it I do talk a lot about aesthetics. I'm doing a whole series right now about different devices you can buy online and whether or not you should use them at home or if you should just use them with caution. Mm-hmm. Um, or sometimes I talk about other random shit. <laughs> kind of a hodgepodge. Yeah. But a lot of aesthetics. Well, we're, we're a fun duo because... You're you are tall and and like, <laughs> you know, all giraffe, all beauty. You're you're a beautiful giraffe, and I'm 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 not gonna I'm not gonna assign a a short squat animal to myself. But <laughs> <laughs> you you have taught me things that I know. But I still, whenever I see you, I'm just like, wait, what did you like? How what things did you put on your face? How, how did you do that? Because I'm just sitting over here like. I think I put mascara on today. Oh, God. $7 mascara. It was lumpy. It was lumpy. (laughs) If you put a little bit of saline solution and older mascara, you can get it to kind of last a little longer. Beauty tip of the day. Well, this is a good environmental tip because this is about not buying shit you don't need. 
exactly no by year dude a lot of people are doing like makeup rehab there's a makeup rehab subreddit oh uh, for girls who like have spent way too much money on makeup and they just want somebody to talk them through a low buy or a no buy my friend did a no buy and now she's doing a beauty budget wow. um if you want to look up that channel that's hannah louise poston nice yeah. Cool. Yeah, I, don't I, buy shit you don't need. I did try I did use um I did try making mascara with charcoal and like the charcoal pills you can buy and um coconut oil. It didn't it doesn't it's definitely not waterproof mascara. <laughs> it sounds it, it sounds a little schmeary. It's schmeary. It is. I, I had a nice um you know, beauty queen crying look. So I, Oh, that could photograph so cool, Lily. Yeah. Oh, and then you could layer it with other dark psychological and interest, interesting shit. Yeah. Photograph, and then it could be on the, on your story on Instagram. Wow, you're really figuring my life out for me. I, dude. This is this what is you're my for show now. Yeah, this is your thing, <laughs> Julian. I am so uh, grateful that late last night you uh, took me up on this. Uh, request and we're willing to join for a bit today i'm anytime i really appreciate it it's super fun and always good to catch up with you even if it's in a live radio format um <laughs> actually maybe even more so <laughs> I <know. laughs> so um do you uh off the top of your head have any song come to mind that you'd you'd like uh, me to play right now if if not it's okay i have a backup but i didn't um, prep you for this Badass wolf shirt sirens. Wait, bad? What? Yes. It's called Badass Wolf Shirt. Okay. Oh, by the sirens. Okay. Sirens. Awesome. I'm going to play it in just a moment. Julene, great. great talking to you. I will talk to you soon. I'll talk to you soon, Lily. Thank you. Mm -hmm. And thank you, everybody, for listening. <laughs> Bye. Bye. Well, I tried to play that. But I don't think I looked it up well. Oh, there we go. Sirens.
community 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 radio community 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 radio community 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 radio community radio for the San Francisco music scene bff.fm best frequencies forever that's right you're listening to bff.fm this is radical advice i am lily sloan the song you just heard was called sirens by badass wolf shirt uh Thank you so much, Julene, for that recommendation right there on the spot. I really liked that. Um, Lots of synth. We know I'm a fan of synth. So uh, also, thank you so much, Julene, for joining me for a bit there to uh, reminisce on childhood. That's Julene Beeson, and uh, you, you can find her on YouTube if you are interested in her beauty tips. Um. So I just really appreciate uh, you all for listening today. On the topic of childhood, I want to share this delightful uh, quote from Donald Winnicott um, before we end the show. So Donald Winnicott was a psychoanalyst, a pediatrician. Um, He studied child development back in the probably the 50s 60s he died in the set in 1971 um i believe um so he he did a really uh he did a lot of really interesting uh writing and research and clinical work around child development and play um and and as much as i can poo-poo on some of the old school stuff uh winnicott's always stuck with me And so I really want to read this quote. I'm going to give a little disclaimer at the beginning that he says he to refer to all children. I disprove of that, disapprove of that. But it is, uh, this is how things were written in that time. But uh, so Donald Winnicott writes, what is a normal child like? Does he just eat and grow and smile sweetly? No, that is not what he is like. The normal child, if he has confidence in mother and father, pulls out all the stops. In the course of time, he tries out his power to disrupt, to destroy, to frighten, to wear down, to waste, to wangle, and to appropriate. At the start, he absolutely needs to live in a circle of love and strength with consequent tolerance. If he is not to be too fearful of his own thoughts and his imaginings to make progress in his emotional development. So, yeah, we need a strong, safe container that our caregivers can create for us in order to play, in order to experiment, to test out the boundaries of our own power, to let our thoughts run wild, to develop a self, essentially, um, a self that is not too impinged by fear. And I think this quote sums that up really beautifully. This has been Radical Advice uh, on BFF.FM. Had such a fun time today, even though I'm alone here in the studio. 
If you're interested in more on this topic of how the past meets the present, I really recommend you go back and check out an episode of A Therapist Walks Into a Bar that I produced last year, and it's called The Presence of Past. And in that, I dig uh, a bit into this topic. So you can find A Therapist Walks Into a Bar wherever you get your podcasts. And also, if you can't listen to this show live, you can always find it in the archives and also in all the podcast places. You can just hit subscribe and it'll show up in your feed when uh, pretty much immediately when the show is over. Um, and as always, follow Radical Advice on Twitter and Facebook to stay tuned. And please send me your life questions at RadicalAdviceShow.com. You can also follow me on Twitter at Lily Rose Sloan. And stick around because we've got more good music coming up. The Life and Times of the Bourgeoisie is next. And I'm going to close out today's show with Childhood by Beach House. Thank you so much for listening to BFF.FM. We wouldn't be here without you.
BFF.FM. Best frequencies forever. Bringing the underground to the foreground.